Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. Today is April 23rd, 2020. It is Thursday. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I'm your host, Shannon. So today is New Moon, and this article comes from wikipedia.com. It was written on October 2nd of 2019 by Morning Bird. And it says the new moon is the first phase of the moon. Traditionally it occurs when the first waxing crescent of the moon is visible in the sky. Astronomically, it occurs when the moon is the closest to the sun as seen from the earth. This takes place right in the middle of the dark moon period, so the moon is not visible at this time. Unless there is a solar eclipse when its shadow is visible against the sun. The new moon always occurs in the same sign as the sun is in, though it may remain there for just a few moments. So what's the magic of the new moon? Magic appropriate to the new moon period includes anything related to new beginnings, drawing magic of all sorts, and anything related to growth and increase. It is also a good time to dedicate or rededicate tools and altars as and also for rites of passage. The new moon is a great time for cleansing and ritual purifications of the home, your altar, or yourself. To wash away the old and make new, make way for the new and set intentions for the coming month. So the first appearance of the new moon begins the first day of the lunar month, which is Neumenia. The night is often, cons- <laughs> the night is often considered sacred to Selene, Artemis, and Diana. The prior night, the night of the dark moon, is sacred to Hecate and is designated as Hecate's Supper. Some Hellenic traditions assign each new moon of the year to one of the twelve gods of Olympus to celebrate them each in turn. Some goddess-centered traditions honor the goddess in her maiden aspect at this time. If you are gardening according to the lunar cycles, Shortly after the new moon is a good time to plant leafy greens and cabbages. The waxing moon draws water upward and stimulates growth, so this is a good time to plant just about any and all annual seeds. Perennial seeds should be planted near the full moon as it encourages strong root growth. Alright, our goddess for the day is Tiamat, and this comes to us from an article on upen.edu. It says, Tiamat is the personification of the primordial sea from which the gods were first created. She is also the main adversary of Marduk in the Enuma Elise. 
Tiamat's exact function as a goddess are difficult to establish. As her name indicates, she was the deification of the primordial sea. Our best source of information for Tiamat is the myth Enuma Elise, and in fact there are only a handful of references to her outside of it. Enuma Elise begins with a good description of the two primeval seas, the salt sea Tiamat and the sweet sea Abzu, mingling their waters together to create the gods. Uh, in the following battle between Abzu and Ia, Tiamat attempts to appease Abzu and stop the conflict, but when she is later pressured by the lower gods to revenge him, she herself becomes the main antagonist of the story, creating an army of monsters led by her new consort, Kingu. She is ultimately defeated by Marduk, who incapacitates her with his evil wind and then kills her with an arrow. Marduk splits her in two, creating heaven and earth from her body, the Tigris and Euphrates for her eyes, and mist from her spittle, mountains from her breasts, and so on. Throughout the epic, there are differing descriptions of Tiamat. She appears both as a body of water and as a human figure, having a tail. These varying descriptions are ultimately reconciled as Marduk turns her limbs into geographical features. In Enuma Elise, Tiamat is the mother of all gods. Together with Abzu, she creates Lamu and Lahamu, who in turn beget Ansar and Kisar. Though one cannot point to a syncretism as such, there are several models for Tiamat in the earlier mythology. Katz argues that the figure of Tiamat unites two strands of tradition attached to the sea. The first is the motherly figure of Nama, who is also referred to as the primeval ocean from which the gods were created. The other is the figure of the sea as a monstrous adversary like the Levantine god Yam. Another important influence for the figure of Tiamat is Anzu, a mythical bird defeated by Ninurta. Indeed, the battle between Marduk and Tiamat has a number of parallels to the battle between Ninurta and Anzu. There was no cult dedicated directly to Tiamat, but the battle between Tiamat and Marduk played an important role in the New Year's festival in Babylon. The Enuma Elise was recited on its fourth day, and some argue that the festival included a symbolic reenactment of the mythological battle. All right, from WebMD, we have our herb for the day, and it's evening primrose. And it is a plant native to North and South America. It also grows throughout Europe and parts of Asia. It has yellow flowers which open at sunset and close during the day. The oil from the seeds of evening primrose is used to make medicine. Evening primrose is taken by mouth for skin disorders such as eczema, psoriasis, acne, and dry, itchy, or thickened skin. It is also used for rheumatitis. And some people take evening primrose by mouth for chronic fatigue syndrome, asthma, diabetes, nerve damage related to diabetes, attention deficit disorder, ADHD, and ovary disorder known as polycystic ovarian syndrome and obesity. Evening primrose is also taken by mouth for stomach and intestinal disorders, including ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, and peptic ulcer disease. Women take evening primrose by mouth during pregnancy for preventing high blood pressure, shortening labor, starting labor, and preventing late deliveries. 
Women also use evening primrose for premenstrual syndrome, breast pain, and symptoms of menopause, such as hot flashes. It's taken by mouth for endometriosis as well. It is applied to the skin for eczema and water warts. In foods, the oil from evening primrose is used as a source of essential fatty acids, and the oil is manufactured for use in soaps and cosmetics. It's been taken off the shelf to be approved for treating eczema and breast pain in Britain by the Medicine, Medicines Control Agency, which is our equivalent to the U.S. FDA, and it says that it didn't prove effective. There's not enough evidence, but um, no studies have been published yet. So how does it work? Evening primrose oil contains fatty acids. Some women with breast pain might not have enough high levels of certain fatty acids, and it also seems to help decrease inflammation related to conditions such as arthritis and eczema. All right, from healingcrystalsforyou.com, we have Heliodore, our crystal for the day. So it's a magical stone that boosts manifestation, confidence, and willpower. And this article was written by Liz Oakes. It says, Heliodor were known in the past as magical stones and shiny pieces were used as seer stones. They help to create a connection between the energy of your mind and your willpower. Their vibra vibration may help to trigger mental telepathy and may stimulate your creativity through their action at the solar plexus. These crystals are the golden yellow variety of beryl, which incorporates the vibration of the bright yellow ray within it. They strongly resonate with the crown chakra, which may motivate and energize your thinking. This connection helps you to move your life forward in the way that you desire. The role as healing stones can help you in a number of ways. They are especially beneficial when you're lacking energy or when you're suffering from stress or anxiety. This lovely crystal is the yellow or yellowish green variety of beryl, the color being caused by the presence of iron in the stones, and its name is said to come from the Greek words helion and doron, meaning a gift from the sun, and that's the trade name used to sell golden beryl. It's found in a number of locations, including Sri Lanka, Namibia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Brazil, and Madagascar, and is fairly easy to obtain. Its shape is hexagonal, also known as trigonal, and it is common for the stones to have vertical or parallel striations on them, and some may have a pyramid-shaped termination. It occurs in a number of types, including the flawless gemstone quality pieces that are made into high-quality jewelry. And it resonates well with both the crown chakra and third eye. Used on the forehead near the third eye, you may find that it helps you think more clearly. It can have good action to stimulate psychic communication and may specifically aid communication between two people who are some distance apart. Um, the thing uh, is that they... It also is beneficial to assist with manifesting those things you desire because it vibrates within the solar plexus area as well, which helps to encourage your dreams and hopes to be realized. Uh, it can soothe anxiety, stress, and worry, and it is simple enough to put a piece of the stone in your pocket or wear jewelry made from the stone to keep it within your aura. 
and it says that it's good to wear it as earrings because it's near the third eye and it may be advantageous to keep a piece on your body if you're working on stimu stimulating your telepathic gifts. So, let's see. It's known to be highly effective to assist the healing of organs within the area of both the solar plexus and sacral chakra, and it helps with health issues within the liver, spleen, and pancreas. And that includes jaundice and bilious attacks and may help women during menopause. It is also reputed to assist elimination, helping kidney, bladder, and digestive problems such as diarrhea and nausea. It's known to help you if you're feeling very tired or lacking energy and stress and anxiety. All right, we have a new book release and this book is called Awakening in the Dream, Contact with the Divine. And the hardcover version is going to be published June 2nd of this year. Author's name is David Wilcock. And he's a New York Times bestselling author. And it says his latest captivating work of nonfiction, exploring new hidden truths about extra extraterrestrials, dreams, sacred science, channeling your higher self, and ascension. And the description says, what happens when a UFO researcher suddenly comes into telepathic contact with the very beings he has been so avidly studying after years of increasingly provocative dreams? What happens when these telepathic readings begin predicting the future with astonishing precision and speaking about an incredible upcoming event in which all life in our solar system will undergo a spontaneous transfiguration. David Wilcock is a master at weaving together cutting-edge alternative science, shocking insider information, and his own personal experiences to reveal stunning truths about humanity, positive and negative extraterrestrials, lost civilizations, and the universe we share. In Awakening in the Dream, David once again combines his extensive research, the Law of One series, new insider revelations, and his own connection to the divine to bring humanity closer to full disclosure than ever before, as well as to help us activate our full potential on the eve of ascension. A New York Times bestselling author, TV personality, filmmaker, lecturer, and consciousness expert, David is the perfect person to guide us through the hidden realities of our world. With its myriad information, anecdotes, big-picture comparative analysis, with over 500 references, and trustworthy messages channeled directly from the highest level angelic sources, including a remarkable set of future prophecies built into the Great Pyramid itself, Awakening in the Dream promises to be his most astounding book yet. All right. And our last article is Phoenix Rising, Stillness in the Dark, Vibrant in the Light by Robin Korak written on April 14th of 2020 on Pathos.com. And it says, Coping in uncertain times, so the darkness shall be the light, and the stillness the dancing. And that was said by T.S. Eliot. Despite having a medical condition that can sap my energy on a regular basis, I guess I am more of what you call a type A personality. It's not that I am uptight or rigid, it's just that I always seem to put on a lot on my plate. In addition to acting as CEO of a large nonprofit social services agency, 
considered an essential business in these times. I also belong to several boards, have a husband and son, and promoting a book I just wrote, write a blog on the regular, teach classes locally and nationally, and am currently writing my next book. For the past few years, my weekends have not been relaxing or recharging. They have primarily been about doing. Much of my to-do list, when I am not at my day job, is within my control, and yet it never ends. I always seem to put a lot on my plate. While I take time to do the things I enjoy, it's rare that I allow myself time to simply just be without having to do so. The times when I have chosen to rest, those that were not prompted by my not feeling well, have left me feeling guilty at times. Perhaps it's a holdover from having a chronic condition, but when I take time to rest, I mean really rest and be unproductive. I feel not only guilty, but also lazy. Something changed, however, when COVID-19 reared its ugly head in our world and in my community. I spend my days trying to keep things together for staff who are continuing to work with those in need and doing everything I can to ensure that we mitigate exposure for our employees, volunteers, and customers to the extent possible. I have read more articles and been more on webinars than I care to count in an effort to try and keep on top of things and make the best possible decisions when there typically is no right answer. I am calm and collected in my interactions with others, even when inside I may want to scream with fear and anger or cry with grief. Then one day, early on in this crisis, something happened. It was a weekend, and I was sitting in bed, looking out the window, and watching squirrels and birds cavorting in the large oak tree just outside my room. After a few moments, I realized that I was sitting in stillness, just listening, and not being compelled to get up and cross another thing off my to-do list. I was simply enjoying and existing. And for the first time in a long time, I was listening to myself, mind, spirit, and perhaps most importantly, body. Just about every pagan I have ever met has an ability and tendency to hear and see things in nature and the universe overall that are often missed by others. We notice the patterns in the universe and we listen to what nature has to tell us. Yet how many of us truly listen to ourselves? For some odd reason, it was in the darkness prompted by the pandemic and its impact was giving me unique permission to go within, to be still, and to align myself with what I was feeling and what my body needed. Much as the darker days of winter act as a cue for some animals to hibernate, it felt as though this odd point in time in our history was gently asking and allowing me to simply be still and listen. I was the seed curled up in the darkness beneath the fallow ground, and it was okay. As I allowed myself moments of stillness, I began to utter to better understand what it was my mind needed at this time, what my body needed. I have two underlying conditions that put me at high risk for the coronavirus. Because of my medical condition, a stomach flu could literally be fatal under the right circumstances. I couldn't even begin to imagine what this new virus could do. And yet, I had to keep on going about my day. I had to keep working, keep functioning as a member of my family, keep putting one foot in front of the other, to say that fear, sadness, and frustration of our current circumstances had an impact on my mental health would probably be an understatement. Yet once I allowed myself to simply feel all of these emotions and be still, I realized that it was my body that needed just as much healing and attention as my mental and emotional health.
In the stillness, I have come to realize that I've always had a weird adversarial relationship with my body. I fought it in an attempt to overcome limitations that I felt were imposed on me by my medical issues, when all along what I really should have been doing was listening and viewing my body as a friend and partner rather than my enemy. Those of you reading this may not have a medical condition such as the one I have, but I have found that this is an act of self-exploration and it's critical, as many studies have shown, that we store trauma in our physical bodies and it ultimately manifests in ways that we don't even realize. These days, I try to carve out time, even if it's just a little bit, to honor what my body needs. As one example, I have started doing yoga on a regular basis, whereas my previous efforts at yoga have been very goal-oriented. For now, I no longer worry about doing the asana perfectly, or making sure I practice for a set number of minutes each day. Instead, I do the poses I like, and rather than worrying about whether or not they're perfect, I focus on moving and stretching in ways that give my body relief. I use adaptations when it feels right without beating myself up for taking advantage of the accommodations for the pose. I also try to spend a few minutes each morning and evening just being still. Sometimes this means giving my feelings an outlet and letting them simply flow over me and be expressed. Sometimes it means just looking out the window or sitting in front of my altar. In addition to honoring my body and the rest and restoration that it needs in these trying times, I have also found the techniques below to be helpful. Play. It's one of the best things we can do for our well-being. This might... To feel alive and vibrant, this might feel like odd advice at a time like this, but truly play is one of the best things we can do for our well-being. Remember the unabashed, boundless joy you felt when you would play as a kid. Swinging on a swing set felt like flying and defying limitations by using our imagination, and it allowed us to create infinite fantasy worlds to explore. We need that joy, now more than ever, and science says it's good for us, too. Studies have been shown that play helps us be more creative, to improve and strengthen our brain functions, and to help with stress by releasing endorphins. To play is to banish limits and create something new. It is life-giving activity. If you boil down every type of magic we witches do, it comes down to manifestation, Working in alignment with nature and energies to fulfill a vision or desire is the core of our magical efforts, so why not use this time to envision the positive changes and opportunities that could emerge from the darkness and spend some time focusing on directing our energy to making those things happen. To feel empowered, communicate with deities that are transformative and or can help carry the burden. Of course, the healing deities such as Bridget, Asclepius and Hygieia typically come first to mind when one is dealing with an issue of physical health. However, given the impact of the worldwide situation that seems to be having on our mental health and anxiety levels, there are a few additional deities that I have found helpful to spend time simply listening to and communing with. The Welsh goddess Rhiannon is one of my favorites. Her story and her energy are all about helping us with our burdens and in my experience, she tends to be quite nurturing and empathetic. The goddess Persephone is a master at straddling both the dark and the light. She has the ability to gain wisdom in the darkness of the underworld while also bringing life to earth when reunited with her mother Demeter. 
Aphrodite encourages us to love, appreciate, and accept ourselves unconditionally as we go through difficult times. Finally, the Greek goddess or the Greek god Hephaestus has been quite helpful for me. He may seem like an odd choice, but his ability to overcome his own physical limitations and the use of the element of fire to transform and create any number of imaginative inventions inspires me to look to for him for the underlying opportunities that exist within challenges and to envision a better future. Using modalities for healing, protection, and clearing. This is a great time to put our healing skills to use. If you are skilled in using an energy healing modality such as Reiki, this is a great time to incorporate those skills into a regular healing practice for yourself, your loved ones, and or society in general. If you are a collector of shiny things, consider using your various stones to create a crystal grid for protection, calming anxiety, attracting love and joy, and or physical healing. You can also incorporate the use of a salt bowl to absorb negative energies in your home. These are some great uh, articles on how to create a salt bowl that are written by Astria on pathios.com. Seeking the wisdom of our ancestors is another way. Our ancestors have witnessed some of the darkest times in our collective history and have a great deal of wisdom to share. Try connecting with ancestors that have a connection with you and trust through methods such as meditation, pathworking, tarot, and automatic writing. Spending time in nature is helpful. I have found that this is a great way to recharge and instill me with optimism. If gardening is your thing and the weather is cooperative, starting or tending to a garden can be quite therapeutic. If you don't have access to an outdoor space, Simple steps such as tending to an indoor plant, listening to nature sounds, or looking out a window can have a positive impact. While you stay at home orders, while stay at home orders and quarantines may make us feel as though the world has come to a standstill, the signs of spring remind us that life continues to move forward and unfold and the light always returns. All right, that is our episode for today. We're wrapping that up. We'll have another episode tomorrow for Friday, and I've been on vacation for the last three days, so I will still continue the podcast, but due to the fact that I am relocating, I'm moving uh, to a new home, I will only be doing the podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for new episodes. So stay tuned for those, and stay safe, stay at home, stay healthy. And keep love in your heart for for yourself and for all human beings. Uh, Blessings to you and yours. Namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by FromAshesWeRiseTo.com where you can get wellness coaching, using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted, custom-blended, organic, non-GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand-poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at fromasheswerise2.com. That's from Ashes We Rise with the number 2 Dot com. 
to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.